Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello. Hello, Michael Watt here. Hey, Michael. Jim Shorty, how are you? All right, Jeff. How are you doing? Good, good. It's, it's actually Jim, J-I-M. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no worries. So uh, we're waiting for um, for Peter, and I, I think Tom's going to join us as well. So well, it looks like he's already in here. Okay. Or are you Ooh, or are you logged in as Tom Cunningham? I might be. I might be. I'm not sure of that. Um, I I'm I'm calling from my cell phone, but I might be logged in under Tom's name. I don't know that. All right. Well, that would explain that. And here comes um, Peter. Hello. Hello. Hi, Peter. This is Jim Shorty. How are you? Good. How are you, Jim? Doing well. Doing well. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I was just looking at uh, your um, information on, you know, the, on the internet, and uh, was uh, looking at Brad. Brad Sugars. Looks like he's written a lot of books. A few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think I think he's at fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. I. I, I Never heard of the books themselves. This name, I, I think, sounds familiar to me, but the, the books did not. They kind of look like the one-minute manager books, kind of that sort of a format. But I, uh, you, you, uh, Michael had jumped on before I got a chance to uh, to look at the book closer. But anyway, that's okay. So, um, well, anyways, I, I think I think Tom said he was going to join us, but I'm not sure if, if that's the case or not. So, um, why don't we? I'm not sure if I'm supposed to start anything here or not. Yeah, Jim, why don't you get started? Uh, I was on the impression Tom said he was going to join us later in the conversation. So um... Understood. Okay. So uh, I, I guess the way, best way to start this is, uh, Michael, why don't you tell us something about yourself, and then, Peter, you can tell us something about yourself, and I can talk about something about myself, and then we'll start asking questions. Sure, I don't mind jumping in. Uh, I got 12 brothers and sisters, so I'm used to uh, stepping up and talking as quickly as possible so I get a word in edgewise. Um, all before car seats, by the way, so uh, different generation. Uh, my name is Michael Watt. I'm uh, affectionately referred to in certain circles as Mr. Long Island. It really started out as a kind of a goof when I was running something called LongIsland.com, uh, but uh, it's something that I'm looking to parlay into a brand uh, where I focus on working with small businesses and entrepreneurs and uh, young professionals uh, really looking to 
embrace an entrepreneurial mindset to their careers. Uh, and my latest endeavor is something called the Lynx organization. And that's Lynx spelled L-I-I-N-C-S, uh, which is short for Long Island Incorporated. Uh, because I, I honestly believe anybody in their 20s and 30s who lives on Long Island needs to uh, incorporate themselves, if not literally, then figuratively, because they own their careers and they're the CEOs of their careers. And of course, when you're incorporated, uh, it sounds fun and, and, and glamorous and whatnot, but there are a lot of uh, a lot of things to take into consideration. So that's why I'm working with with Tom and and, and Jim and, and looking to learn from Peter. Uh, because um, unfortunately, the best way to learn is through failure, and I guess the second best way to learn is from from other people. Yeah, yeah, and I would I would say the best way to learn is from other people. Well, I, I should preface that other successful people. You know, uh, I, I I really believe that trial and error is a is a horrible strategy, and so many people talk that way and recommend that way, and. You know, I find that the absolute best way to become successful is to find somebody who is already successful and just pick their brain, and they're, they're going to give you a few ideas, and then somebody else gives you a few ideas, and pretty soon you're on your way. But trial and error is a recipe for bankruptcy, and uh, so I don't, I don't recommend that. I've been through trial and error, and and I still don't recommend it. It's not a, not a great idea. But uh, so I'll just speak real quickly about myself. Uh, I um, am, am a car dealer by trade. Uh, I've been in the, I was involved in the car business uh, from 1979 until 2014. Uh, our business uh, grew from one dealership, 40 employees, selling about 800 new and used cars per year, to when I handed over handed it over to my children, it was selling 8,000 new and used vehicles per year, 400 employees, and it was six dealer six individual dealerships. And so I always had this ambition of wanting to really share my knowledge with uh, the public in terms of, I, I really felt that what I did, anybody could have done. All I did was just to copy successful people. And that's really the theme of, of my company, which is uh, results from thinking. And it is a, a life success coaching company. And uh, we, we talk about health, wealth, love, happiness, and spirit. So it's not like Peter, and I, I can read from what you do. Yours is, is is obviously a business environment, and I'm sure it probably goes beyond that. But still, seems like the focus is business, which is wonderful. Uh, and and uh, you know, I do that as well. Probably not nearly to the degree of success that you have. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of new to this. I started this idea in 2014, so I'm kind of new to the game. So hoping to learn from you as well, Peter. So I'll, I'll leave it up to you to uh, to tell us about yourself. Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, uh, it's uh, hard to talk about myself, but um, you know, I, I've been in um, uh, after university. I served in the military for a number of years, and and I had a lot of great learnings there that really transitioned well into what I'm doing today. And I'll kind of get into that in a little bit. Um, the uh, after the military, uh, I joined the, the corporate ranks in Canada and. Uh, at one point, was running about $220 million worth of uh, the company's business that I was working for. Uh, really got, although my degree was in business in university, I really started to learn uh, about business. And, and more importantly, it's not really about business. It's about the people in the business that uh, are the interesting factor. And I started realizing that a lot of people may have a great idea, but 
lack the the whether it be the knowledge or the personal wherewithal or or drive to succeed. So going on in a corporate year, uh, was with that corporation for about eight years, and then I started my own business, and lo and behold, um, having known everything, uh, I was making some of the same mistakes. And uh, I remember uh, about year six in the business, I said, geez, you know, this business is running me, and I'm not running the business. Eventually, about two years later, we sold the business, and uh, I mean, it was successful, but not super successful. I mean, made a living, looked after the kids, uh, you know, had a steak when I, and a beer when I wanted to type of idea, but it wasn't what I thought it could be. And and the big learning was that I, I learned I was working in the business too much and not on the business, and although I had all the academic smarts to be able to run a great business, there was just something missing. Uh, once we sold the business, I got recruited uh, by another national uh, company, and that's where I started getting some really good learnings uh, and really started understanding uh, what had happened or, or what's required. Uh, did that for a number of years, and then finally got tired of the corporate world uh, and uh, all the, uh, the restrictions, uh, and decided to venture out my own. So I sat around for about three months after leaving corporate world and kind of gazed at my navel and watched the clouds float by. And I thought, you know, how can I take all this learning from the military and on and parlay that into something that can be a benefit uh, to myself financially and to other people financially? Uh, and I came up with action coach or with coaching, searched around and, and eventually became an action coach. Um, and then launched a coaching business. Now we've uh, grown, uh, we've added other uh, businesses to it. And uh, we're, we have a company of about 14 people doing various uh, activities for businesses. And uh, I'm just, I primarily focus on the executive and business coaching. What I found out with what people lack is, first of all, education. Most people going into business are really technicians. Uh, even if you buy a franchise, they'll teach you how to make a pizza, but they won't teach you how to run a business. And then, you know, there's the marketing side and all the other aspects of business. And that's what I, I've been able to bring to businesses and create business success. So that's kind of a, a story in a nutshell. And I'll pass it back to John. Well, real, real quick, how can people get a hold of you, uh, Peter? What, what is your website just so people have that information? It's com. That's B-I-G-B-I-Z-G-R-O-W-T-H.com. Wonderful. Pete, so, if I could jump right. in here. I'm, I'm very curious about this, and I've, I've often wondered uh, – what different turns my life would have taken if I had followed up on my instincts and, and joined the military, uh, you know, out of high school, even if it was just ROTC. But, uh, you know, one of your favorite topics is you're talking about you control your own destin destiny. And if ever there was a, a statement that doesn't necessarily apply when you're in the military, it's controlling your own destiny. I, I'd, I'd be curious to see how you can, um, you know, how, how do you see both, if you, if you use your military training as a basis for your success, which I have a feeling has been a very important part of your success, uh, how do you balance that, you know, the military training versus controlling your own destiny? 
Well, you know, I, <laughs> you control your own destiny within the career path within a military or where you want to go. It's not you join the military and they're going to path you out. Uh, when I was in the military, I did some specialized work and uh, took a lot of training in that. And, you know, you make the decisions to do that type of work. And, uh, you know, in the, my chapter is uh, decisive, making a decisive decision but and, and being fully committed. So even in the military, in any organization, you're in control of your destiny. If you're working for a large corporation and you're not getting the advancement you want, well, that's not your boss's fault, not the organization's fault. It's about you driving forward for it and going after what you want. So you are, regardless of organizationally or not, you are in control of that destiny. You know, the, the military didn't come up to me and say, hey, Peter, we want to promote you tomorrow. You better get with it. Uh, I had to go out and really compete uh, with all the other people that wanted that that position in the military or if I wanted to uh, do a certain type of uh, tasking or work, um, I had to compete for that. And uh, it wasn't that, oh, I've been here the longest and you get this nice or this plum job. You've got to go out and get it and make everybody aware this is what I want to do. And then... Um, have the drive and the uh, accountability to do it. So even within a military, you are controlling your own destiny. Absolutely, and you know you're controlling your own destiny no matter where you are. Uh, you know you can't control the weather. Of course you can't. I mean, it's, it's raining today, for example, but you can control how you respond or react to the weather. So you're always controlling your your destiny. And if you have a grumpy reaction to the weather, well, you're going to have a grumpy day. If you have a delightful reaction to the weather, you're going to have a great day. And there's two Absolutely. Same, weather. same weather. So that's, I, I that's think that's a great point, uh, that regardless of your circumstances, uh, how you process it is really uh, what determines whether or not it's a, it's, it's a benefit to you. Exactly. And, and it's the decisions you make uh, by controlling that destiny. You know, it's a cloudy day. You can be gloomy along with a cloudy day, or you can be the ray of sunshine. Uh, in the day, that's totally up to you. Uh, nobody else can control that. And even if there's, you know, we all have outside influences knocking on us all day long, whether it be a competitor in the marketplace, whether it could be a spouse that sets you off or whatever, but it's how you react to, to that and what you do and what determination you make that you're going to, how your day is going to go. You know, uh, I have this little story. I talk about a grumpy old man uh, that lives in my house, and uh, you know, I, I get to choose whether I want to, when I first wake up and see that guy, say, "Geez, do I want to be the grumpy old guy, or can I be that ray of sunshine?" Type of idea. Hey guys. Is that Tom? Yeah. Hey Tom, you're with Jim and Pete and Michael Watt, and we. Uh, we just had a fascinating uh, segment on uh, the military and, and controlling your own destiny, even though you're within a, uh, I would guess, the epitome of bureaucracy. Um, and it kind of ties in also what Pete says about not making excuses. I mean, you, you can blame your situation for anything or you can overcome it. You're right, Jim. As you, as you know, I've had rheumatoid arthritis from the age of five, and most of my joints don't move. They're in pain all the time. and a lot of people would use that as an excuse for not doing whatever they wanted to do or could do. 
Well, that's yeah. And Tom, you're to be admired for that because uh, when you say a lot of people, that would be you know probably most people, 99% of the people would cave into what you had to deal with. And I admire the heck out of you for the for 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 the fact of uh, every time you ask Tom how he's doing, he says amazing, you know, and he's in pain, you know. So I think that uh, that's really cool, really cool. More of a reminder to myself than to convince other people. I know that, but still, it, it does convince other people. It makes me think. I can tell you that. You know, I sometimes uh, I'll be a baby about something because I'm reacting to the outside world, and I think I think about Tom Cullen, and I think, wow, if he can do that, I can certainly overcome this little nuance. So and it is. It does. It is very in, important to other people that you do that as well. It really is. Amen. Well, I'll let you guys get back to the interview. I'll be listening in. Great. So, so you know, segueing into, um, I, for some reason, I lost the call, so I had to dial back in. But um, I, I heard some talk about one of the things that was mentioned was quit making excuses. And I don't know if you guys had already addressed that. I was only off for like 30 seconds. But can can you expand on that, Peter, about quit making excuses? Well, I mean, every every situation that arrives, you can, you know, in the military, we had a fight or fight uh, type of mentality. And, you know, when when the things get nasty, are you going to run or are you going to fight it out and whatever? And in business and in life, we're going to reach adversity through different points. And do you kind of just roll over and, and be a victim to whatever the circumstances are? Or... You actually say, wait a minute, I'm in charge of my own company. This is not where I want to be. And stand up and, uh, you know, kind of duke it out or come up with a new strategy to move forward. Um, I see that a lot where, uh, you know, in a downturn economy, and I'm in Alberta, and we've been hit pretty hard with the, uh, because of the, the downturn in oil pricing. And, you know, it's interesting. When it first happened uh, 8, 10, 12 months ago, whenever it was, a lot of businesses were going doom and gloom, yet I don't see a lot of change here. Uh, the business owner on the corner running their, their business uh, still has to make a living and make money. The ones that capitulated were the ones that, that didn't have good business practices in the beginning. Uh, they're the ones that didn't diversify. And when things started going rough, they didn't make the right decisions. And they, they spent more of their energy blaming uh the you know whether it be the government or whatever rather than and taking stock of where they are and moving forward and in the military you know once you come out of a, a very tough situation you tend to have to stop reassess where you're at look at the assets you do have and always go in that forward uh momentum not come up with a bunch of excuses and say, geez, I'm just going to go hide in this little hollow here. Uh, that gets you nowhere, but, uh, you know, dead in the end type of idea. And same in a business or in life. It's about looking at the situation, what you perhaps have been doing will not work anymore or doesn't work anymore, and what can you move forward with that? And that's you know, evolution. That's innovation. That's about constantly not thinking about, well, you know, I can't make that next phone call because uh, I've got stuff to do. Well, okay, we all have stuff to do, but what's important to you? Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, I, I uh, 
so being in the business world as a as a guy on the front lines, you know, I, I learned and 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 it took me a long time to learn this, but it actually is so true. So I'll just speak to your point even a little further that there is so much opportunity in adversity. And to the point of when you really figure it out, adversity becomes your friend. And I'll tell you why, because 95% of the people in the United States of America, when faced with adversity, they cave in, they, they give up. So if you think about it logically, if, if what I just said is true, if 95% of people cave in or give up or whatever, and you don't, that means you have no competition. And so if you have the right approach to adversity, you actually have a, a, a field where there's very little there's very little competition. And so uh, these people in Alberta, if somebody would step up and say, you know what, I'm going to conquer this market, I'm going to take advantage of this market, they would probably find that they would actually prosper during a downtime because of the fact that everybody else has just given up. And, and that's even going beyond what you just said, Peter, but it's so true that uh, there really is opportunity in adversity if you just get your head out of your, your you-know-where and start looking for it, you'll find it. Absolutely. And, you know, the – and I hope I'm not doing a plug. I'm not sure the rules around here. But, you know, I, I look at our clients, and when when that started happening, we brought them in, and we have a, had a really good talk with them and say, this is a time of opportunity. And it's sort of your choice of how you want to look at this world. Because spend your energy complaining about what's, that the world is changing, it's going to change whether you like it or not. It is changing. Uh, but uh, or you can take that your energy and put it into, hey, what's the next thing that I can get involved in and what are the opportunities? And yep. our clients really looked at that and hooked on to that. And uh, they're going through growth modes. Where other companies there are, there you go. Surviving, yeah. or, or or not making it, you know, going out of business. But no, you're you're so right, and that's a great meeting. And whoever went to that meeting uh, was uh, definitely smart to be there because uh, they. And then the neat thing about it is, if they go out and do what you tell them to do, and they do go through this growth mode, well, then all of a sudden, what I said earlier is correct that there is opportunity in adversity. And then, as an entrepreneur, you start to look for the adversity. Say, oh, geez, oh, we have another recession. Great, I'm going to make a lot of money now. You know, and uh, any, anybody can make money when the economy's swinging. It's a question of making money when it's not swinging. And that's great. that's a great, uh, great meeting. Good, good for you guys. You know, I used to work for somebody in the, in the late '90s when everything was rocking and rolling with the tech uh, uh, bubble. The guy used to say, you know, even turkeys fly in hurricanes. And sure enough, a couple of years later, when the tech bubble burst, uh, the, the turkeys came crashing down. But you're right, the fellas who, you know, stuck to their, their knitting and uh, had good business practices already in place uh, were, the one, were the only ones that survived. Uh, you know, Pete, I see you talking about creating rituals for success. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things is a commencement address given by a Navy SEAL officer. And he said, you know, if you start every day by making your bed, at least you've accomplished something. And I find that very intriguing because now I find myself making the bed instead of my wife. Uh, but I always see that as having accomplished something. Is that what you mean by a ritual of success and just getting into daily habits? So I was hoping you could yeah. uh, enlighten us a little bit. Uh, I, I use the words ritual because I, and 
And again, I, I've seen that, that uh, video by that Navy SEAL guy, and he's bang on. You know, what are the certain rituals you do? You know, every morning I wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, right? Uh, I want to get a good start on the day. Uh, I'm not a guy who will sleep in. You know, how much time do you spend in a day or a week in learning and developing your skill set? Um, how much time do you spend on yourself, whether it be through physical fitness or meditation or, or whatever that may be? And, and you know, you could sit, oh, well, I'm going to do this today. Or you can make it part of who you actually are. And I find that rituals are the way to go about it. If you look at somebody who's fairly religious, they're very highly ritualized in their activities of doing that. And that's what I, I try to teach people is get into certain rituals that fit your the way you want to live and make that part of who you are. Uh, and, you know, at, at 5 o'clock every morning, that's when you get up, if, if that's your ritual. Or is it 10 o'clock? I don't know. But I, I believe you got to win the day, and, uh, and that starts in the morning. Um, but, you know, when are you going to do that learning and, and set that in? If you're into fitness, make it a ritual that is part of your day, part of your life. Not, oh, now i got to go work out. Oh, you know what? I'll wake up whenever. Um, you know, all the time we go through, you know, we, we all through our school years, we're living more or less to kind of a calendar, which is a ritual in a sense. And, you know, in my day, we used to start off by singing O Canada, and you could go through certain steps each and every day. As soon as we become adults, we throw all that, that learning that we've done, those, those um, almost biomechanical things that we built in, and we throw it all away, and we start doing whatever, and then wondering why we struggle to be successful. So I really, when I work with my clients, I talk about what are the rituals that you're going to establish for yourself that keep you on track. And that's the real power. That's the real inner strength because that comes from the heart, right? And it drives each and every day and how you do things. I don't know how to better explain it, but uh, it's just my belief and uh, I believe in setting up certain rituals. You know, I get, a, get up in the morning, get out of bed, and uh, I do a workout. That's a ritual. It's not, well, I don't feel like it today. No, no, part of my life is doing that. Oh, it's been said, uh, discipline is the only thing separating the life you want to lead from the life you lead, you know, and, and just having that discipline and, and you, the desire to do something beyond when you feel like doing it, uh, or the drive, I should say, to do something beyond when you feel like doing it. I mean, would you say that all uh, successful business people have that trait, that discipline? Well, you know, I, I believe they they do. Yeah if they're very successful. Uh, if they don't, then they're lucky, I guess. Uh, but the business owners I know and that I look at, uh, that I consider successful business owners, they work, and they work to a system of some sort that works for them, right? Uh, they're usually at work at a certain time. They're usually doing certain things. They continuously learn. You know, and, and I liken it to, you know, going back to my military career. We got up, we had to make our bed, right? Um, went out, if we're uh, in garrison, we go for a morning run. Then you'd have your breakfast and, and there are rituals. At night you'd shine your shoes or whatever, right? Um, and you did training depending on, on where you were in the military, what were the things you did? Very 
ritualized, but that creates great success. And, you know, we can see that in, in the North American military who have very strong rituals. They're very, very successful. And in business, like I say, the business owners that I know are very ritualized um, and create a lifestyle that really suits them and their family. So they don't have to worry about balance, but they work within harmony all the time and, and not so much, uh, you know, a state of balance, but certainly harmony. When they're home with their family, they're home with their family. And when they're at work, they're at work. And when they're out uh, in public, they're out in public and they're fully engaged in whatever they do. And, and you know, you mentioned, the, again, back to the, the idea of the ritual, which is phenomenal. You know, Thinking Grow Rich is a book that we talk about a lot on these calls. And if you read that, if you read 13 pages every single day of Thinking Grow Rich, which would be a ritual, which would probably take you, you know, 20 minutes to a half an hour. But that's what you do every day. You read these 13 pages. At the end of 12 months, you would have read that book between 12 and 13 times. And you would find that your life would change so dramatically as a result of that experience that it would be unbelievable. And so that's a ritual. That's what you're speaking of. You know, it's the same as, you know, working out for half an hour a day or an hour a day, whatever it is that you choose to have the ritual or meditating and on and on. And so, I, yeah, I, I think that's really, really important that we have those rituals, whether it be in business or, you know, personally with health or, you know, family rituals. They're, they're all vitally important. So that's, that's a great way of, uh, a great way of putting it, Peter. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So, do you think, so, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jim. Go ahead. You're fine. No, just the, the ritual thing uh, um, I find fascinating in the sense that I think we may be getting away from that sort of thing, or, or it may, it just seems a little old fashioned, but um, really the, the business basics have never changed. And you think about thinking Grow Rich being over 100 years old and still being very applicable. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 uh, you know, be careful when you say that things aren't that way anymore. If you if you study successful people, they're doing the same things today as successful people did a hundred years ago. Right. And so what we have is over over mediaization of, for example, the millennials. You have all this conversation about millennials, and it's just simply unfounded, and it's not true. If you you could go back a hundred years and read something about the teenagers of a hundred years ago. And then fast forward to the millennials, it will be the same exact right. conversation. And so, so millennials, that, I was going to say, going back to what Pete was saying before about uh, thinking harmony instead of balance, uh, you know, I heard a great expression recently, recently, he says, be where your feet are, meaning regardless of what you're doing, be fully engaged, because there really yeah. is no such thing as multitasking, which would be a, a modern day type phrase. That's probably the most overrated and uh, unjustified uh, mode of operating. It really is uh, focusing on what you're doing. Yeah, it's very inefficient as well. Multitasking is very inefficient. And but it was like that. You know, again, 100 years ago, they're talking about the, the the failed generation, and 50 years ago, the failed generation, and 20 years ago, the failed generation. And we're doing it today. Right. And uh, there's a lot more mediaization of it today. But the, I, I have I, I work with millennials. You know, my children are millennials, and they're wonderful kids, and they, they want to succeed, and they want to do all the things that, that Peter and, 
and Michael and Jim Shorty, we all that we all want to do. And 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 then there's there's also the the same ninety five percent who you know want to know what's in it for me. Yeah, what are you going to do for me? You know, and that's always been the case. Five percent want to get along, and ninety five percent you know want to know you know what's in it for me. Or, or I mean, um, what do you do for me? Excuse me. But you know whether that number today is ninety four to six or ninety seven to three. Look, it's a predominant number that are wanting the entitlement and a, and a very small number that want to succeed. But that's never been any different, is my point. And uh, so, so if you could elaborate further on the the whole idea of uh, balance versus harmony, I'd, I'd like to hear what you have to say about that, Peter. Well, you know, you know, we're you know, I hear a lot of people, or especially when I first started coaching, saying, you know, I'm looking for life balance. And, you know, I'll illustrate this. If you put a, a two by four on end on the floor and you stand on top of it and try to stay in balance, the amount of energy that you're going to use is significant. And if you stood there for an hour, I guarantee you, you'd probably be pretty exhausted, right? You're spending energy trying to stay in balance on this up end at two by four. But if you're in harmony, you're not using negative, or you're not using energy negatively, you're using it positively. And and I believe that, you know what, sometimes you can't get home and have supper with your family every night, God forbid, especially if that's a ritual in your family. But don't sweat it. Don't expend negative energy or your energy negatively worrying about that. It is what it is. But when you're there with your family, be totally engaged, right? If you're at a networking event, don't be thinking about something else. Be totally engaged. When you're on a task at work or you're you're engaged at work, be totally engaged. And I really kind of learned that uh, unknowingly in the military again. When I was often deployed, I had to be very present because it was very dangerous. And, you know, I could not be thinking about a whole bunch of other stuff. I had to be totally focused in and zoned in to the environment that I was working in at the time. So when I became a coach, it was really this, you know, work-life balance and everything else. Well, you know what? If you have a great life balance and everything's good and, and you, you decide, well, I'm not going to go to work today. I'm going to have a great day. And I'm going to hang out and on a deck and uh, watch YouTube videos and play on Facebook because that's what makes me happy. Well, that's good. You can do that for about you know a little while till the money runs out, and then you're just going to starve to death, right? Type of idea. So you have to have harmony in your life to say, you know what? When I'm at work, I've really got to be pr- productive. I really have to be putting out. I don't have to go to work for eight hours a day. I may some days be able to get away with six, but other days I may have to put in 14. But be happy with that and don't get all stressed out about trying to manage this work-life balance idea. Just understand that this is the environment that I have to be in now, and I'm going to be 100% present, and I'm going to be positive about it. Yep, I think that's wonderful. I think that you're 100% right on that. Yep, I'm oh, here. Sorry. I think we uh, I think we covered everything. I well, covered everything I uh, wanted to go over. So. Uh, well, 
Yeah, there is there, there is uh, the, the idea that the world is changing. We have hit on that, but I'd like to hit on that even more, uh, stronger, excuse me, from the perspective of uh, just if you could just expand on that, Peter, I'd like to hear your viewpoint on the world is changing. Well, you know, you talked about the millennials, and I'm with you. Uh, first of all, I think they're amazing. And again, I were one of them when I was that age, right? And, uh, you know, I didn't know, I didn't have a lot of experience, didn't have a lot of knowledge, and probably made a lot of dumb mistakes and or did some crazy things. Well, in fact, I know I did some crazy things. But, wow, I, I look at their, the millennials today are better educated. They have more access to information than we ever had in, in when I was a, a, that age group, right? They are just coming out in droves. They're creating innovation uh, in record numbers and driving productivity out of this world. They are different. They have different, you know, they're not going to be so much nine to five. They're going to work when when they, they kind of want to and they find their own harmony and they do great work. So the world is changing. You know, we just bought a business about a year ago here, uh, tad into uh, to couple onto our existing business, and we changed the whole dynamic. We went to flexible working hours. We went into uh, a, a lot less rigidity. Our productivity has moved up by over 400%. And that's just listening to people and what people really want to do so they feel the harmony in their life. The world is changing, and, you know, the – the idea of having bricks and mortars around an office in a traditional eight to five and, and all that is starting to erode away. But productivity is increasing a massive amount and that's due to technology. You know, in my business, I keep saying, I don't need an office. I can sit on the beach and still coach. And, you know, one day I'll try that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I now can be anywhere in the world and I have clients uh, globally that I can talk to anytime. I do not, and, and some clients I will never physically meet, ever. Don't you find it interesting that I'm sitting here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and you're sitting, I assume, in Alberta, Canada, and yep. uh, well, you're, on, I, I assume, on Long Island. And right. uh, Tom, Tom Cunningham is in uh, Toronto. And so, you know, and we could be doing this via Zoom or whatever, and we could actually be looking at each other. And, uh, you know, to your point earlier, you know, I mean, a few minutes ago, that back when, when I was 20 years I'm 59 years old, so when I was 20 years old, there was nothing even remotely like there. You know, like the cell phone wasn't even, a, wasn't even in my mind at least, a thought. And then fast forward to 40, I'm, I'm now I'm 40 years old, and I still don't know that I had a cell phone at 40. That would be 19 years ago. If I did, it was barely. And, you know, until recently, I didn't understand anything about Zoom or Skype or any of that stuff. But holy cow, I could, if I wanted to, I could right now set up a, a Skype call or a Zoom call between these four people that are on this call, and we could have a nice little call for tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. And it's crazy that we can even do that, which we couldn't do. Certainly couldn't do that 20 years ago, and um, I, I just find that to be very, very interesting. And you're right, yeah, it, it, it's that certainly is a change, but that would be a change that many people might be intimidated by. But the fact is, is when you embrace that change, it's like, holy cow, this is such a great opportunity. And I think that's what you're saying, you know. 
Absolutely. And, you know, technology today has opened up so many worlds, and the millennials are leveraging that very well. So they're different than the status quo uh, of companies, and, and organizations are really struggling getting around uh, the idea that, um, well, this is not the way it is. And, and let me tell you, it is not the way it's going to be. So it's about changing and understanding and embracing the change that's coming on uh, in the business world and in life in general and embracing that and going forward. It's amazing what's happening. And, uh, you know, it'll be so interesting where we are 10 years from now. You know, we, we used to maybe talk 50 years from now, but, boy, 5, 10 years from now, yeah. it's going to be amazing, absolutely amazing. Yep. And, and it's interesting. So while, while we're on the phone, I mentioned about Brad, Brad is it Sugars, right? Brad Sugars. And I said, boy, he's written a lot of books. And, and I was actually on Amazon uh, before you guys jumped on. So I'm looking at this. And, and so while we're on this call, I actually bought Brad Sugars' book on business coaching. I actually bought it. It's on its way. And <laughs> isn't that wild? I mean, I'm sitting here. I was already kind of in that mode, and so while you were answering one of the questions, I just, you know, pushed uh, the, the buy button and actually bought the book. So here I am talking to a guy from Alberta, Canada, a guy from Long Island, a guy from Toronto, and I bought a book from Amazon, which will be delivered to my doorstep in two or three days on business coaching. And who knows, I might read that book and say, holy cow, I just figured out a way to make a million dollars next year based on the information that's in this book that I bought for $16.35 or whatever it was. I just find that to be fascinating. I, I do. I, it, it blows me away. And I, I you know, and that's really what we're talking about here. I think that's really cool. Well, it's fascinating. It's great, unless you're in the brick-and-mortar bookstore business, <laughs> in which case. <laughs> well, but you know what? The brick-and-mortar bookstore business needs to change their ways. And it's interesting. Uh, borders, they're gone. If Barnes & Noble... If you go to Barnes and Noble, it's crazy how you would think, how the hell is it? It's so busy in there, but they have a Starbucks in there, and they have people in there that are really, really nice, and you can buy books from them online the same way, and I don't know, they seem like they're doing okay. I mean, because I love bookstores. I love hard books. I love having a book in my hand. I'm I'm old school, and maybe someday that's not going to be the case with the millennials, but I, I love my books. I do. And uh, But yeah, but at some point, Barnes & Noble is either going to make it or not make it if they don't adapt to this changed world that that uh, Peter's talking about, then they won't make it. And uh, that's how free enterprise works. Uh, that's how it works. Somehow Amazon's doing it. You know, one of the things people think that there will be some changes, but it, let's take Barnes & Nobles or in Canada we have chapters. And you're right, very busy place. And when I look at those places, what I see is a community of like-minded people. And I still think there will be places like that or Starbucks. You know, you're not going to order your Starbucks online. I, maybe you can. But sometimes people still need to be around people. We're still very tribal in a sense. And so there's still need, need for that. And also, you know, I do a lot of uh, purchasing online as well because I live in northern Canada and uh, in a smaller community. But there's nothing like going in and sometimes looking at a product, touching it, feeling it, understanding it, and things like that. But it creates community. And I, I think business and retail will be adapted to that and have to look to create a community and not 
you know, will the big box stores survive? I'm not sure. Um, people, I think there's a shift in the market in that too, where people want to start looking at boutique because when you walk in a boutique store or you're a steady customer there, there's a community in that store. You know, take yeah. a, a store that sells running shoes and really, you know, we got a walk around a more store here. Well, all the runners and all the people into fitness and that, they go there. And when you go there, not only do you just go buy your product, but you're also talking to other people that yeah. you could talk training with and, and like-minded, same place. So there will still be this need for gathering and sharing person-to-person knowledge. And, you know, Barnes & Noble, if you go in there, all like-minded people, they like to read, they like to learn, and everything else. So there's a real community that I find in stores like that. Well, you, you know, you're right, Pete. I remember uh, years ago reading an article, the, the guy had spent the night watching, uh, this is when VCRs first came out, and he spent the night watching a movie because he came across it on TV. He said, why did I stay up late watching this thing when I have it on a uh, VCR tape and can watch it anytime I want? And he realized because you, you want to know that you're sharing that experience with other people. And the same thing could be said about hearing your favorite song on the radio. You know, most likely you have it on your iPod, but the fact that you're sharing it with others is remarkable or at least adds value to it. And I think that's why live sports is generating so much money in advertising revenue because it's one of the few things nowadays that you have to watch when other people are watching because you know, recording it and seeing it later is uh, is not as much fun. So I think that's why the NFL is now printing money and uh, and large sports is doing so well, because that's really the only thing left where you don't know what the outcome is going to be and, and you're watching it with other people. Yeah, well, you know, you look at the Olympics, which are on right now, and I'm an avid fan of the Olympics, although I'm not in, in uh, Brazil, which would be cool if I was, but <laughs> but I feel part of it. You know, uh, and and again, it's it's by engaging with that community. I, I can only imagine being there and what it would be like. Uh, we still need those things as human beings uh, to be part of something. And one thing that media's do today is brings us a little bit closer to that. Uh, you know, you can go online and watch almost any of the Olympic sports at any time and everything else. But I think there's Although the world is changing, there's still that sense of community, and, and I hope people don't lose sight of that. Uh, you know, Amazon's got a good gig going, and, and it's going well, but and they do a great job. I've been very happy with them. But the fact is, is there a community that they're really building? And no. Uh, so how hard would it be for people to shift their buying habit and Amazon be wiped out overnight? Be very easy. Yep. Hmm. Great point. Great, great stuff. Really great, great stuff. And I, I, I don't have any more questions. I don't know, uh, Michael, if you do. Oh, I think I think we covered everything. I think it was fascinating. And uh, uh, Pete, we certainly appreciate you sharing your insights uh, with us. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading that book, to be frank with you. And I'm going to read it. I guarantee you that. And uh, really? I think that will be very helpful having got a chance to speak with you. Peter, it gives a talk about you know being connected to the book that gives it a whole new meaning. I think you know. Good. Well, thank you very much. It was good meeting uh, you both, and uh, have a great day. Great. Yeah.
You, you guys both have a great day as well, and uh, we'll meet again, I'm sure. All right. Talk to you soon. Nice chatting with you. Good chat nice with you as well. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.